Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Swung on and hit in the air to deep left center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. Here's the 0-2. Cut on and miss. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. Thank you for listening to Yankees Baseball. Have a good night. And A-Bob from A-Rod. Robbie Cano, a don't you know. Can you imagine? Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is John Sterling. Some great Yankee stories ahead, but I also want to hear about your stories. Why are you a fan? Let's open up the mail and hear from you. Today's letter, and it comes from Adam G. in New York City. Dear John, I wanted to tell you a quick story about growing up as a Yankees fan and the day I met my father's hero, Mickey Mantle. I grew up in the 80s and 90s when baseball's all-stars were guys like Ricky Henderson, Darryl Strawberry, Lenny Dykstra, Bo Jackson, and my favorite player, Don Mattingly. By the way, Adam, he's one of my favorite players, too. Now, when you're from Connecticut, you're either a Yankee or Red Sox fan, and my father made sure I wrote it for the Yanks. He grew up in Queens in the 50s and 60s, and like most kids back then, his hero was Mickey Mantle. I cringed when my dad told me that he and his friends used to put the mixed baseball cards in the spokes of their bicycle wheels. Anyway, one day my dad said he had a surprise for me. There was a card show coming up. I think it was at the old New Haven Civic Center. And by the way, I've done games there too. (laughs) And the Mick was going to be there signing autographs. On the day of the show, I played catch with my dad in the yard and then brought the ball with me for Mick to sign. I remember all the other fans waiting in line to see him while carrying all sorts of crazy items. One woman even brought a giant pinstripe desk lamp. Well, when we got to the front and it was finally our turn, I pulled the grass-stained ball out of my pocket and handed it to the Mick. He said, thanks, kid, and signed it. Then I looked over and saw my dad grinning from ear to ear like a kid himself. He didn't want any autographs. A handshake was enough. And it's something I'll never forget. John, do you have any baseball heroes when you were growing up? Would love to hear about it. Actually, I wasn't one of those kids who had a hero. But I'll tell you Mattingly's story. My first year was 1989 with the Yankees. And I love the way Don Mattingly played. I was the left-handed first baseman in school. So I've loved all left-hand hitters since I was about seven years old. And Mattingly was one of my favorites. I love the way he hit. I love the way he played first base. But here's the interesting thing. It's 1989. The Yankees are terrible. And Don Mattingly was the star. And for the first half of the year before his back acted up, 
he was as great as I imagined. Don't forget, I'd been in Atlanta in the 80s, and I only read about or heard about Manningly. I was with the Atlanta Braves. I never saw him play. And in 1989, after games in the clubhouse, I'd be part of a line of players all <laughs> waiting for Don Mattingly to autograph something because, you know, that was Mattingly. And that's an absolute true story. Capitan, Derek Jeter. The odd thing is, when Derek Jeter was signed by the Yankees, he was 18 years old, and uh, Michael Kay was working with me on, uh, on the broadcast, and they sent Jeter up to our booth, and he handled himself very well, very respectful, and we thought, wow, this is some kid. Now, we didn't know he was going to become a great player, so I mean, let's not have any of that. You hear that all the time. Believe me, they didn't know. But we thought, what a nice young man. Now, in 1996, he had been there for a cup of coffee in 95, but in 96, the Yankees have an opening at shortstop. They're going to play Tony Fernandez there, and he got hurt in spring training. I think he broke his hand, and he was going to be out. So they put Derek Jeter at shortstop, and Joe Torrey, who was nothing short of a phenomenal Yankee manager, 12 years, 12 playoffs, and six World Series, pretty good, and they won four of them. Anyway, he put Jeter at short, and they thought, well, you know, they, we'll see. In fact, there was a rumor that Steinbrenner wanted to trade someone really good, Mariano, Bernie Williams, someone really good, for an obscure backup shortstop with Seattle, Felix Fermin. I mean, he was an okay shortstop, but I mean, you know, they were, Gene Michael wouldn't do it. And so the Yankees started the year with Jeter, a Steinbrenner confidant, a former pitcher in the big leagues and managed and did a million other things. Clyde King said, you'll never win with Jeter at shortstop. So um, in Jeter's first game, he had a phenomenal first game in freezing Cleveland. He caught a pop-up in left center field, which was going to be his trademark. And he also hit home run <laughs> over the, the high wall in Cleveland. Well, m more on that at some other point. But a lot of people ask me, well, what's your favorite game? What, what game is – you can't do it. Now, it's very, very tough for me to tell you what is the best game, but this is one of them. And you will never think of it this way. You will. You can't believe that I would pick out this game, but I did for a reason. I remember it so clear, so unbelievably well. The Yankees finally get to the playoffs in 95. They get knocked out in five games by Seattle in the cruelest way in the bottom of the 11th inning in the last game. In 96, they make the playoffs, and they open up against Texas. The Texas slugger, Juan Gonzalez, basically hit a home run every at-bat. And Texas won the game behind a so-so right-handed John Burkett. In the second game, it's a five-game series now, 
The final three in Texas where the Yankees had never won. They better win the second game. And they're down 4-1. And they get a run, make it 4-2. And you get a run, they make it 4-3. In the eighth inning, they're down 4-3. They're, they're six outs away from going two down and having to go and win three in Texas. And Bernie Williams gets on. Tino Martinez hits a fly ball down the left field line. The left fielder, Rusty Greer of Texas, goes right near the foul pole to make the catch. Now, left field there is very short, the old stadium. And he turns, and Bernie Williams tags and goes to second. And he just makes it. So he's at second now with one out in scoring position. And Cecil Fielder, and the Yankees could not have won without Cecil Fielder. Cecil Fielder got there and changed completely. He knew what was on the line, and he became a hitter instead of a home run hitter. And he got all the big hits in the playoffs, and he got a base hit to tie the game. And in the 11th or 12th inning, Yanks had someone on base. Tim Raines is up, and Joe Torrey tells him, bunt, but bunt for a hit. And bunt toward third, but bunt for a hit. The Yankees had seen Dean Palmer at the third baseman for the Rangers make a bad throw. They had heard he had a bad shoulder. Well, they wanted to try it out. Sure enough, Reigns bunts. Palmer throws the ball down the right field line. Jeter scores. The Yankees win the game and go to Texas. And why this is one of my favorite games, I don't know. But it was so vital. In the game, the Yankees trail 2-1. to one. They go to the ninth inning. Darren Oliver, a left-hander, started the game and went to the ninth inning. I know nowadays you can't believe that really happened. That really happened in baseball? They actually pitched the starter in the ninth inning? So Oliver goes out. Who do you think the leadoff hitter is? Derek Jeter. That was the year that the Yankees won their first championship in many years. And Jeter was in every rally. This is the shortstop that some people felt the Yankees couldn't win with, a rookie shortstop. Of course, at that point, he had become a 300 hitter. He had become the leader. He's such a leader, Derek Jeter, that during the year, he's a raw rookie now, during the year, guy had hit a home run, first guy out of the dugout, Derek Jeter. Leader. He had a leader in him. Now he's leading off the ninth inning, and the Yankees are trailing 2-1, to one. And if they lose, they're going to have to win Saturday and Sunday. It's a Friday night. Going to have to win Saturday and Sunday in Texas, where, frankly, they had never won. It's true they were in a new ballpark instead of the old horrible ballpark where they lost continually. But still, it's the same Texas team. So Jeter gets a base hit. Tim Raines is up. And, again, Torrey said bunt, but bunt toward third. And he tried. And he missed twice, fouling off the pitches. And then, this is why Tim Raines in the Hall of Fame, the rock. He fouls off a pitch, takes a ball, and on and on. Runs the count to three and two. Now, Joe Torrey and his bench coach, Don Zimmer, have the courage of their conviction. They're not afraid. They're simply not afraid. They sent Jeter on three and two. Pudge Rodriguez is a catcher. Reigns swings and misses. He's going to be thrown out at second base. Reigns hits a line drive at someone. It's a sure double play. A lot of managers manage that way. 
they managed to protect their backside, let's say, uh, not Joe Torrey and Don Zimmer. So they sent Jeter. Reigns lines a base hit. Jeter's running. He, he could walk to third base. So the Yanks have first and third. No one out. Bernie Williams hits a sack fly to tie the game. Fielder hits a slow ground ball. And Reigns goes to second base with two outs. Tino was up. They had brought in their right-hand reliever, Jim Henneman. And they walk a left-handed to Tino intentionally. And the hitter is right-hand hitting Mariano Duncan. And Duncan lined a base hit to center field. Now, after the game, I said to Duncan, congrats, what a big hit. What? And I said, what did it? He said, look, John, Henneman throws splitters. He's coming in with first and second, two out. I know he's going to throw me a splitter. I was ready. And Reigns comes around at great speed to score. The Yankees have a 3-2 lead. John Wetland goes out and goes through his normal perils of Pauline. Wetland is such a good guy. He's always in trouble. Uh, Joe Torrey said, because Torrey always says everything brilliantly, he doesn't get all the outs, but he gets the last out. <laughs> and Wetland is such a good guy, he called himself the Zantac kid because he always was in trouble. Anyway, he left the tying run at third. The Yankees win the game 3-2, and they win the series the next day, Saturday afternoon, in Texas, we stayed in town and celebrated, and then the Yankees left on Sunday, knowing they were going to be in the ALCS. And that's really one of my favorite games, and Derek Jeter is right in the middle of every rally, including that ninth-inning rally. Thanks for listening, everyone, and be sure to come back for more sports stories and Yankee stories. I look forward to telling more stories and hearing more of yours in the coming episodes. You want to talk baseball? Send email to john at pinstripespodcast.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'll see you next time. This concludes our pilot season of Pinstripes and Bright Lights. If you've enjoyed this season, please take a minute to leave us an iTunes review. Share with your fellow Yankee fans on social media to help us spread the word and grow our audience. With your support, we hope to bring you a full second season with longer episodes, more letters and stories, and perhaps even some bonus content during the off-season. As always, our show is a production of 31 Creative in association with Radio.com. Our executive producer is Brady Sadler. The show is produced and edited by Ben Pierce. To make sure you never miss an episode, download and subscribe on Radio.com and the Radio.com app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find every episode online at pinstripespodcast.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Over here. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.